following message is from New Life Gillette series, Phone Zombies. This week, Pastor Mike presents the message. Good morning. It is good to see you. Let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online, to our friends over at the prison uh, and at the jail, and those of you who are here in the room. Was anybody here for the concert last night? Yeah! That was incredible. Like, I did not know how good that was going to be. Corey Asbury is stinking funny, isn't he? Uh, he had, I have not laughed that much at a concert. If you don't know, we had a concert here last night. Corey Asbury, he's the reckless love guy. He did a phenomenal job, uh, and we are blessed by that. And we're kind of riding the high into today, and so, uh, and so we're kind of having some fun uh, reminiscing about last night. We are in a series right now called Phone Zombies, and we're not talking about phones being bad. Phones are not bad. They're a neutral medium. Um, You can use them for good or for bad. We're not giving up our phones. But what we are doing is setting up some boundaries and saying, you know what, we're not going to, we're going to have a phone, but our phone is not going to have us. We're going to control our phones. So we're going to decide when we're going to do what we're going to do on our phones because so many of us have just become addicted or uh, controlled by our phones. And so we're just setting up some boundaries in different ways in this series. Today, we're going to talk about um, how we use our phones for spending, how we use our phones for consuming or buying or um, uh, spending money. And so Today, we're going to kind of reflect on how do we use our phones when it comes to our money. And if you haven't been to church in a while, you're like, oh, great. Every time I show up to church, they're just talking about money. Uh, well, part of that is you come to church more often because we don't talk about it that often. Uh, but also part of that is Jesus talked about money like all the time. Like it was just a regular part of his teaching. If you've read much of uh, about the life of Christ, it was like he started most sermons with something about money or used it as an illustration or something. So if we're going to be like Christ in the way we teach, we have no choice but to talk about money. And actually, for those of us who have adopted his teachings about money, we've actually recognized that's actually not a bad thing. That's a really good thing in our lives because it allows us to experience the blessings that God has promised for those of us who use money the way that he says we should use money. So did you know that last year, 80% of everything that was purchased, consumer purchases, were purchased online. 80% of spending happened last year online. And so our world is changing and how we spend money is changing. Um, And so we're going to talk about how do our phones play into this conversation. But before we get there, everybody pull out your phones right now and go to menti.com. M-E-N-T-I. Go to menti.com. We're going to do an interactive thing. So you're like, I don't want to do this exercise, Mike. That's okay. Just play along. Pull out your phone, menti.com, and type in this code, 24343152. Type in that code, menti.com, and we're going to do a little interactive quiz, all right? Everybody there? Raise your hand when you're there. Not enough. Get in there, get in there, get in there. Menti.com, type in the code. All right. Here's the first question on the quiz. Who will win the national championship tomorrow? We've got, yeah, well, here's the problem. I grew up about 15 minutes from the University of Kansas. So I've been a huge Kansas Jayhawk my whole life. Paul, Pastor Paul, has been a huge North Carolina fan 
Tar Heels fan his whole life. And so we've got a problem around here. One of us are going to have a terrible Tuesday. So I feel bad for him, and you guys should be in prayer for Paul as he struggles this week uh, after Kansas wins. Let's see. Guys, really? No. Less than 20% of my church are Christians? This is horrible. Okay, here's another one. Do you at least periodically shop on your phone? At least periodically. Okay, so uh, didn't have to prove this point, did I? Somebody is an outlier. Uh, So what this means is you are right now sitting in a shopping mall. I am an Abercrombie model in our shopping mall of phones. This, this year, one of my relatives bought a phone, or bought a car completely on their phone. It was delivered to them, sight unseen, just bought a car. Like, we now buy everything with our phones. All right, let's get more specific. Do you have an Amazon Prime, or does somebody in your family, do you have access to an Amazon Prime account? Yes or no? Okay, apparently Amazon's taking over the world. Over 90% of you have an Amazon Prime account. Okay, this one is a different kind of question. It's got a right answer. Those others have right or wrong. wrong. How much money was spent through online shopping in 2020? Can you guess how much? Those are billion dollar options there. Billion with a B options on the screen. What do we think? Okay, you all are pretty realistic. What's the right answer? Hit enter there. Yeah. Oh, they're giving you the right answer. Got it. $791 billion was spent online shopping in 2020. I think that's crazy. I can't even comprehend a number. I had to like do the math. Okay, like three numbers, six numbers. Okay, that, yeah, that's B. That's a lot of money. Okay, let's do this one. This one's going to require us to be honest. Good thing is this is totally anonymous. I cannot see what you are answering on this question. But do the math. Last month, how much of your money did you give away? Like you spent probably a majority of your money, but what percentage of your income, the money you made last month in March, did you give away? Do the math. You don't have to be exact. Just kind of guess at it. How much money did you give away? This is honest. This is the reality of the world we live in. Very few Christians actually have matured to the place where they're doing what Jesus says when he says, give away 10% of your income. And the reality is most of us have not matured or sacrificed to the point in our lives where we have reached that goal that Christ set for us. So let's get introspective. Let's realize that in our world, we spend a lot of money, more and more money with inflation. The numbers just get bigger and bigger. And we recognize that there's a lot of money changing hands in our world. So let's talk about what, where our money is going. Did you know that in the 1970s, the average person saw 500 advertisements a day? 
we're talking about commercials or ads and uh, billboards or back then probably a lot of these were like newspaper ads and things like that. I think I saw 500 Geico commercials this week. They just seem to be everywhere. And the number of ads just keep growing as our spending habits get bigger and bigger, as consumerism more and more takes over. It just keeps growing. Can you guess what the average number of ads you see a day today are? In America today, the average person sees 10,000 advertisements a day. Logos and little ads on scrolling on social media. Did you know that it, for a 30-second ad in the commercial, er, er, 30-second commercial in the Super Bowl this year cost $6.5 million? 30-second ad, $6.5 million. Why are they willing to pay $6.5 million for an ad? They're willing to pay it because we'll spend it, because it works, because the number of ads we see is directly correlated to the number of things we buy. We have recognized in our lives that the more we have, the more we want. We need bigger. We need better. We need to upgrade. We need, apparently somebody needs this. I saw this ad the other day. Cheese printer. Just in case you need to make some gr a grilled cheese sandwich with your face on it, uh, we can now buy anything on our phones. We live like kings. And you talk to anybody from around the world and you, you, think, you hear how they think about Americans and the way that we just are so crazy wealthy. And the reality is they think that because it's true. If you have ever had a package show up on your doorstep and thought, what did I order? What, what, is, what could be in that box? You know what that says? That says, you are crazy freaking wealthy. If you are to the point where you can buy something and not even remember that you bought it. Oh yeah, I forgot I ordered that, that nose trimmer. I just, I needed an upgrade past the... Uh, scissors weren't cutting it anymore. I needed this, apparently, because that's something people have. I think that nose trimmer is attached to his phone. I'm not sure what that does or how that works. No, we, we, we just always need bigger. We need better. We, need, we have this insatiable desire for more, for upgrades. They call that an addiction. And why does it seem that no matter how much we buy, we just, it just that desire to buy doesn't go away? And it's because feeding a craving only makes that craving grow. It's like eating Cheez-Its. I eat a Cheez-It and I'm like, okay, now I need 5 billion Cheez-Its. Because feeding that craving does not make it go away. Feeding that craving just makes me want more. And this is the way spending for many of us works. The more I have, the more I want. The reality, though, is this is not new to our generation. This is not new to our, the height of consumerism we've reached. This has actually been true all throughout history. The book of Ecclesiastes says this. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. 
the more you have, the more people, teenage children, come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. So wealth, Ecclesiastes says, Solomon says, will not bring you happiness. It won't. So then the question is, what will? I want to be happy. What will bring us happiness? Well, Scripture is extremely clear on this one. It's what we're going to talk about today. The thing that will bring you happiness when it comes to your money is generosity. If you want true happiness, learn to live generously. Acts quotes Jesus says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You'll be more happy. You'll have more joy in your life. You will be more blessed if you give than if you receive. And today in our world, receiving usually comes in the form of an Amazon package, apparently, according to our survey we did. Does anybody here know how much an Amazon Prime account costs? How much is a subscription to Amazon Prime? 120 bucks? For the privilege of giving Amazon your money, 90 plus percent of us pay $139 per year. So that you can give them your money, you have to pay them. And I'm fine with it. I have an Amazon Prime account. We use it like crazy. We do the subscribe and save thing. We buy way too much toilet paper because it comes automatically. They just charge your credit card. You're like, I don't know why I have all this stuff. But apparently, it, they've just made it so easy to buy. And for that ease, you pay $139 per year. Our phones have just made consumerism so easy. So then we ask ourselves the question, what do we do about it? In our world where you're right, Mike, it's easy to buy. I might have a little bit of a spending problem. What do I do? We've been talking about it through this whole series. What do we do? We set up boundaries. We decide what we will do ahead of time and what we will not do. And for many of us who have spending habits, and I have a temptation to spend too much, we've recognized that we have to put limits on our spending. There's some of you in the room who need to make a rule for yourself that you will never buy anything without first talking to your spouse. And you're thinking, yeah, right. You know how many fights that would cause? I'd never get to buy anything. Exactly. That's the point. Boundaries. I need to, there are so many elbows from spouses right now happening in the room. Many of us have realized that we are not doing healthy things until we've decided we're going to set up boundaries that require us to do those healthy things. Maybe for you, you need to delete the credit card information from all your spending apps so that you have to actually manually type it in every time. Maybe it'll make it a little bit more difficult to do it and you'll do it less often. Find some creative ways. Maybe delete the shopping apps from your phone and make yourself go to a laptop somewhere. Whatever it is, find some ways to set up some boundaries to just slow down the habit. Because spending does not solve your problem. Imagine one time you 
discovered a buried treasure in a field. And you realize, oh, this field is for sale. I could buy the field and own the treasure. And the treasure is worth far more than the price of the field. So do you buy the field? Absolutely. You, absolutely. you buy the field. That is a good investment. But what if the, buying the field requires you to not buy something else? What if buying the field requires you to, to borrow the money to buy the field? Well, you're smart enough to know I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to spend whatever amount or sacrifice, whatever I have to sacrifice to buy the field because the treasure is worth it. Scripture tells us that that treasure is available to you. It's called generosity. And it doesn't make intuitive sense that, that somebody would buy it. Like, why do you need a field? You don't need a field. You don't, you don't need to do this. It, for many people, generosity, it doesn't make sense that you would take this step. But scripture tells us that when we are generous, we are storing up treasures. We are investing in something greater than just a field. We are investing in something bigger than just consuming something. We're getting, by giving our money away, we're actually getting more than we actually gave away. Solomon says in Proverbs, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. A few weeks ago, uh, many of you were here. We gave away a whole year's worth of groceries to, to Gillette families. We actually gave 12 Gillette families a month of groceries. And it was a lot of fun. And, and we enjoy being generous in this way. A lot of great businesses stepped up to so support that event. Every week in Gillette, our Blessings in a Backpack ministry sends, gives a bag full of food to over 1,100 kids in our community. Why do we do these things? Because we believe that this is what we've been called to do. We're going to give away what God has blessed us with. We support missionaries in Haiti and Honduras and Africa and, and artisans, and we do the... the fair trade thing to support people who don't have what we have, what we're blessed with. So we give by shopping in the purchase project, by sending the profits to them and people all around the world. We said, we are going to live generously because we believe that this is what we've called to do and that there are blessings that result from it. We believe in generosity. So it says, if you help the poor, you're actually giving to God. But then there's a promise that comes with this. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Because I don't know if you know this, but God's not poor. He tells us that when we help the poor, we're, we're, when we give to the poor, we're giving to him, but he doesn't need it. And he actually says, he will repay you. And it's going to be like way more than what you gave. You cannot ignore the fact that Scripture constantly tells us that God blesses generosity. And sometimes those blessings come in the form of joy. Sometimes they come in the form of happiness or peace or hope or relationships. Or, or maybe it's just not having an addiction of spending. But when we give, when we are generous, it comes back to us in the form of blessings. And then there's this repeating circle this repeating loop that happens. Because Paul says that God, next slide, that God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So giving results in joy, 
and then joy results in giving, and then giving results in joy, and it's this cycle that continues. And generosity makes us joyful, and then joy makes us generous. And we, we, we in this generosity loop that happens, become more and more mature, more and more sacrificial. I believe that generosity is the ultimate evidence of mature faith. You know, Jesus talks about fruit. He says, good trees bear good fruit. And and I believe that the fruit that mature Christians produce in their lives is generosity. So if you want to know how mature my faith is, then you should look at how generous I am. Because mature faith produces generosity. And if I am not living a generous life, if I am not giving sacrificially on a regular basis, then you can believe two things about me. You can either believe, number one, that I'm a liar and I I don't actually love the Lord like I say I do. Or number two, my faith is not yet matured to the point that it has become sacrificial. That it is an immature, not immature like a like the annoying, immature kid kind of way, but immature, it just has not grown yet to the point. That, that I, maybe I have a love for God, but maybe my love for him has not matured to the point that it has become generous. So let me explain to you why I believe generosity is the fruit of mature faith. The first reason is this, those who love God keep his commands. And God commands that we give 10%. Okay, natural result of loving God is giving. God tells us you should give 10% of your income back to him. He's given it all to you. He asks that you give him back 10%. We believe that he can do more with the 10% than we could ever do on our own. And so we give back 10%. Now, if you are a new Christian, if you're new to faith and you have not reached the point where you are giving 10% of your, then we totally understand that. We don't, we don't believe that you're going to, that, that everybody is going to get saved and all, the, all of a sudden they have this incredibly mature faith that is sacrificial and all that. No, we believe that everybody can come as they are. We believe that everybody is invited to be adopted into God's family. And you do not have to give 10% of your income to be adopted into God's family. He loves you and his grace allows you to be his child. Heaven is not a reward. You're not going to give enough to earn more love from him. And not giving enough is not going to make him not love you. This has nothing to do about whether or not you are loved by God. This is about what results from your love for God. The second reason is this. The primary Christian command is to love. So those who love God keep his commands. And the primary Christian command is to Love. So if we love God, we keep his commands, but we, what are his commands? Well, Jesus very nicely summarizes all of his commands for us. What does he say? Love. Love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He summarizes the entire law, all the laws with one word, love, and it sums it all up. And the third one is this. Giving your life is the greatest way to love. So the more you give, the greater the amount of the gift, the greater the amount of love. There's a direct correlation. Right now, my son's 
prayer life, he's a big Minecraft fan. I don't know if you've ever seen Minecraft. You're pretty much like a farmer in Minecraft, and you got to build things and make farms and all this. So my, my kid is playing Xbox, and it, this is his prayer life. God, please help me to find a gray sheep. And then he watches for a gray sheep. The frustrating thing to me is he keeps finding gray sheep. I'm like, God, don't encourage this. But it just keeps happening. But what will happen as my son's faith grows? What will happen is his prayer life will become more and more sacrificial. So in the beginning, when we're Christians, most of our prayers revolve around, God, I need this and I need this. And please help this person I love and please supply for that. And that is great. I'm not at all criticizing that type of prayer. In fact, Jesus encourages us to ask. If you're not going to ask, you're not going to get. So ask. There's nothing wrong with prayers for what you want and for what you need. He asks us to do that. I've taught my son to do that. But at some point, as my, as my son grows, as he matures, then his prayers will change. And he will more and more start to pray for others to intercede for the needs of other people, to pray sacrificially, to pray not because I want something, but pray because I've adopted a habit of prayer into my life. And I'm not just going to pray for things that I want. I'm also going to pray for other people. So what happens is your prayer life matures. You become more and more sacrificial. This is true about our faith. As our faith matures, we become more and more generous. So let me summarize all of this with one sentence. If we love God, we will obey his command to love. And the more we love, the more we give. The more we love, the more we give. Remember the evidence that God gives of how much he loves us. You may remember, he says, I love you so much, what? I'm going to give you my life. It's the most famous passage in all of scripture. He told us, for God, for this is how God loved the world. You want, to, you want to see how big God's love is? Here's the evidence. He gave his one and only son. So that every, he, this is his gift. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So whether you would give anything to him or not. In fact, while you were still sinning, Jesus gave his life for you. That's his love. And the evidence of his love is giving, is generosity. And for some of us, we may think, okay, Mike, so what? If God loves me so much that he'll give his life for me even before I give back to him, then why would I give? If I can come as I am, then why do I need to be generous? If I don't have to do anything to earn entrance into heaven, then why do I need mature love? And to be honest with you, the answer to that is difficult. Because the reality is you don't have to. Your, your, your love, your, your faith does not have to mature in order to be in God's family. It does not have to mature in order to get to heaven. You do not have to be generous to earn God's love. But here's what we believe. Here's what we've experienced. That his way is better. That Jesus makes our lives better and he makes us better at life. So if he tells us that it is more blessed to give to, than to receive, 
that if he tells us that generosity will make our lives better, then we have faith and we believe that it's true. He even invites us to put him to the test, to try it, to test him. Live generously and see what happens. Tithe and see what happens. Give 10% of your income back to God and see if he blesses it or not. And if he doesn't, you have found him out to be a liar because it's a promise. And so for many of us, we've recognized that our lives are better when we tithe, when we give back to God. So no, don't do it to be saved. Don't do it to earn God's love. Don't do it because it's the way to get into heaven. Do it because it's best. John says, you say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, God says. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Because we all know we're rich. When we drive on paved roads, we're rich. So why isn't it satisfying us? Why isn't it enough? Because Jesus tells us time and time again, that's not actually what you want. That's not actually what will fulfill you. What will fulfill you? What will satisfy you? Living for him. Fully giving yourself to him. Not earning anything from him, but following him. So the question is then, how do we buy gold from God? That's what he says to do, buy gold for me. Jesus tells us how we do that. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The way that we buy gold from God is to live generously because the stock market will go up and down. Can I get an amen? House values will go up and down. Somebody's going to wreck your truck. Somebody's going to steal from you. You're not going to get what you deserve. Anything that you treasure in this world will pass away. But generosity is storing treasure in heaven. Generosity leads to true riches, to things that have real value. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your money is a test. Your money reveals what's in your heart, what you truly love, what is valuable to you. So when you, if you invest your time and your money and your prayer life into getting more, into living more comfortably, into looking really good for all your friends, then stuff has your heart. I have tithed most of my life. I grew up in a family home and, and my parents taught me very early in life to, to give 10% of everything that I earned back to God. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that I have noticed a difference in my life in the time, in the seasons that I've tithed and the seasons that I've slacked off. And I have noticed that there is a direct correlation between the blessing that I experience in my life, both financial and otherwise, and my habit of fully giving the tithe 
And in our lives, we've recognized that the tithe is a stepping stone, that that's the beginning point to fully living generously. And we've, we've experienced that tithing does more than we ever thought it could. So what does tithing accomplish? Number one, tithing blesses God. And I love God. I want to bless him. I want to put a smile on his face. So if he can see what I do in secret, scripture tells us he can, if he can see how I spend every single penny that I spend, I want him to be happy with me. I want him to be proud of me. Second thing that tithing accomplishes is it blesses me. Here's where I'm supposed to say that it doesn't always bless us financially. Other times it can bless us emotionally and I can try to lessen that promise. The reality is in my life, there is a financial blessing that comes from tithing. Like usually, yes, even measurably financially, when I tithe, I am in a more healthy financial situation. It's weird, may sound over-spiritual, but it's true. The third thing is that tithing puts life into perspective. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You will follow where you put your treasure. And I think tithing is a big reason why I am a pastor today. Because tithing early on in life directed my attention toward God, and it just kept me walking in a path toward more and more sacrifice for him. Next, tithing advances God's mission. Romans tells us that that there are many people in the church whose primary responsibility in the kingdom and in fulfilling God's mission, your primary responsibility is to support financially God's mission. You know, when Jesus was on earth and his disciples were doing their ministry, they needed to be funded. They needed to eat. They needed to live life. And there were generous people, supporters of their mission, that gave financially to their cause and made it possible for them to do what they did and spark a movement that has gone around our world unlike any other movement in human history. There are some of us whose primary responsibility in building God's kingdom is to give financially. Earlier, you heard from Joe Sengel. Joe Sengel came and did the financial learning experience here at our church a couple weeks ago. A lot of us experienced a lot of blessing from that, just in learning how to manage our finances. And after that event, we went to uh, get pizza, and we were talking about a new program that he's doing where he is, um, it's, he calls it the 90-Day Generosity Challenge. And his invitation is that you join this challenge, and for 90 days, he sends emails that are just videos of teaching about generosity. The idea is that along with this challenge that you will kind of test God, that you'll try it out, that many, many of you will step up your giving just to see if God will bless you in the way he promises to bless. And so my invitation to you today is to try it. For 90 days, put God to the test. So they're going to put a QR code up here. You can just hold your phone up, take out the camera app, you point it at the QR code, and then a form, you click the button and a form will pop up, you fill out that form. And you can sign up to get these emails. And at the end of the 90 days, your email address is gonna be deleted off the list. You're not gonna get marketing or anything like that. This is just signing up to get some emails. And my invitation to you is that when you get these emails, accompany the learning about generosity with actually being generous. I believe it will make your life better. I believe in this prompt process of living generously, God will bless you. And we see it time 
and time again. God, I thank you for so faithfully doing what you've promised to do, for continually drawing yourself, people to yourself, for maturing us, sanctifying us, making us who you created us to be. God, would you help us to be faithful, to follow where you lead? Would you remove our pride for our desires for consumption and the desire for more? Would you help us, give us a desire for more of you? God, I pray for those who have been generous in this room, that you would overwhelm them with blessing. God, you own all things. You hold all things in your hands. There's nothing too small for you. So whatever blessing it is that the people in this room and the people watching online need today, God, I thank you for giving it to them, for providing for them, for giving them whatever it is that they need most. And I thank you for saying no when we ask you for things we should not have. God, we thank you for your unconditional love that's not dependent upon our generosity, not dependent upon our faithfulness. I thank you for your love that is a free gift. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.